Welcome to episode 30 of the Double Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Glick, and today we're talking modern calligraphy with Lauren Ida. I was working at a wedding venue and we needed like signage for something and I wrote it out and I was like, I know there are prettier ways to write this. This needs to look better. Calligraphy can trace its roots back thousands of years to ancient China, where people first etched characters into bone. The invention of the printing press brought the written word to the masses, threatening calligraphy's place in the world. But a revival of arts and crafts in the late 19th century helped turn things around. I've always appreciated history, so I've always liked those historical things. And I think when we're so surrounded by digital things, it's nice to kind of bring something back from yesteryear that, you know, our grandparents did or our great-grandparents did. I'd be super sad if it got completely lost, and I don't think it will. Nowadays, modern calligraphers make hand lettering for signs, wedding invitations, and even typefaces, like the one used for the London Underground. But Ida says for it to be considered traditional calligraphy, it has to follow a certain set of rules. The very basics are that all of your downstrokes when you're writing down the page are thick, and then all of your upstrokes when you're writing up the page are thin. Modern calligraphers, on the other hand, have more room to play around, Ida says. They aren't forced to always use cursive-style letterings, for example. They can mix and match things. But even with this more freedom in today's modern practice, Ida says there is one thing that keeps with tradition. You just can't rush results. I guess it's taught me to kind of slow down. Like, I can't rush through it. It has to be like, I gotta take a deep breath and I gotta slow it down. Because rushing through it's just not going to produce a, anything good. So it's taught me to slow down a little bit. And if you're anyone like me, you could use some help with slowing things down a little bit. So I met up with Ida at a coffee shop in Reno to learn more about calligraphy and her practice. Just to get us started, tell me what is modern calligraphy and how does that differ from, I guess, traditional calligraphy? Yeah. So traditional calligraphy, like maybe copper plate has more like hard and fast rules so you're writing at a certain angle degree versus modern calligraphy you have more room to play so it's more of like everybody's um, different styles and interpretations can you give me an example of some of the rules i didn't realize that calligraphy had like a, a like a rule book of, of sorts yeah for modern calligraphy generally a lot of times you're writing at like a certain degree, so your letters or your words are a little slanted. Um, and then basic, the very basics are that all of your downstrokes when you're writing down the page are thick, and then all of your upstrokes when you're writing up the page are thin. And then what we call like the overturn or the wave, and then ovals. And essentially those four like basic strokes will create most of your letters. So like if you were to look at a lowercase letter A, you're doing an oval with a downstroke kind of into an overturn. Okay, so that's really fascinating. I didn't I, I'm just picturing almost like a like a football game. Like, like if you don't do the, the follow or if you don't follow the rules of calligraphy, does that just does that mean that that piece isn't considered calligraphy then or No, and really more and more like modern calligraphy, some people think it's more like um, hand lettering versus there's some people who believe calligraphy should just be like the old school traditional styles. So modern calligraphy is more like hand lettering where everybody can kind of create it their own. You know, think a little bit like maybe fonts that you find on your computer, but in a cursive way. 
hand letterings kind of combination of that and different styles. So I guess how do you approach it then? I would imagine every project is different but you know let's just say you want to sit down and kind of work on something. How do you uh, how do you start with a blank page and then like what do you do next? Yeah so for me I'm usually thinking of like if it's like maybe a phrase or something I'm writing out I'm usually thinking about like is every word going to be all in calligraphy or am I going to mix it with like a monoline font um, and how I might rearrange it on the paper and um, maybe there's one like word that's like the important word in that phrase maybe I'm kind of building around that word and then I do a lot of like signage for businesses or weddings events so like welcome signs so a lot of times it's you know, figuring out how it's going to lay out on the mirror or a wood board or a piece of acrylic, things like that. Is there, you know, and I, this comes from just not never having done this, but is there, are there sort of best practices or I guess what's your approach in terms of sort of mixing the calligraphy style or that sort of cursive style, for lack of a better way to say that, versus like sort of a, a more like print style Yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily like best practices, but it is definitely like weighing out the piece and making things like look symmetrical. And one of the key things I think that's important to think about in hand lettering or modern calligraphy is making sure it's legible. Because essentially like when I'm doing signs, everything needs to be legible. So yeah, it might be written this way traditionally or you might write it this way, but if it's not legible, what's the point? (laughs) So calligraphy to me seems kind of different from some other visual arts in that you're literally merging words and visuals together. Whereas, you know, in a painting, there's a lot of interpretation, whereas this seems like it's a lot more uh, just straight over the plate. Like this is what we're saying. So I guess, how do you sort of incorporate artistic or creative elements into something that needs to be legible and needs to be able to be read. Yeah, um, I think that's the one thing about calligraphy. Like, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an artist. I think calligraphy is a little like drawing, so um, less like writing, more like drawing, but there are kind of, not necessarily rules, but there there are basics of it that you're thinking of. So unlike painting, where it's very much up to the artist on how they want to portray this there are certain things that you're doing in calligraphy to make it legible and so on so I never really think of it as like a it is an art form but I never think of it as being an artist necessarily why is that um I think it's just like for me it has um like a template basically I can follow so there's a little less like artistic freedom um and more just like a template that you can follow but then you can kind of put your own spin on it. If I was to sit down and and start right now, what would be some things that you could help coach me on to just get me started? So when I'm teaching calligraphy, I teach with a national company called Sip and Script. And when we're teaching calligraphy, we start with the basics, which is like the upstrokes and the downstrokes, and then combining that to create your letters, and then eventually connecting your letters to create words. So when I'm teaching, we have what we call our basic stroke sheet and everything is, you know, printed out, but then we have tracing paper. So it's like, it's kind of like going back to being in school when you're learning how to write. It's the easiest way to give somebody kind of like the training wheels to get started. 
I, I think back to my elementary school days and learning cursive and, for lack of a better word, cursing it the whole time, <laughs> uh, just waiting to get past this, this part. So how, how is this different than just writing in cursive? Yeah, so the main difference in cursive, like when we were in school, they said don't pick up your pencil, right? You're just going all the way through. With calligraphy, you actually do pick up your, your nib or your pen between different strokes. And one thing students always tell me is, like, we'll be in the middle of class and it'll be nice and quiet and they'll be like, oh my God, this is so relaxing. But it's because you're concentrating on, like, all these different elements. So your brain can't concentrate on much else. Like, you can't think about how bad your day was or what the kids are doing or anything like that. Like, you have to focus. What this reminds me of, and tell me if I'm way off base here, this reminds me of music. Because yeah. not only does it look like the staffs, but it's like, these are the types of notes, or these totally. are where the notes yeah. are, and yeah. you just practice your scales, yeah. essentially. Yeah, that. that's totally fair. That's, yeah, actually, that's a really good comparison. I never thought of it that way. More of the Double Scoop podcast ahead after this short break. Double Scoop is a nonprofit news outlet covering visual arts in Nevada. We're funded by readers and listeners just like you, and your support is critical to keeping the art community connected and informed. Make your contribution right now at doublescoop.art and help Double Scoop support the arts in our region. That's doublescoop.art. <laughs> Have you noticed a change in Reno lately? I sure have. Well then, keep up with the movers and shakers and unique people of Reno by listening to the Our Town Reno podcast, where we discuss helping each other out. New episodes play every week and feature real Reno stories told by us, the people who live here. Listen in. You're listening to episode 30 of the Double Scoop podcast. I'm Noah Glick, and I'm chatting with Lauren Ida, modern calligrapher of Thick and Thin Lines Calligraphy. What got you started in calligraphy, or you know, were you interested in art and drawing at an early age, or how did you get started? Yeah, like I said, I never really thought of myself as an artistic person. I was working at a wedding venue, and we needed like signage for something, and I wrote it out, and I was like, I know there are prettier ways to write this. This needs to look better. And I just kind of started researching it and looking into it and joined, like, Facebook groups and just kept growing from there. So You know, you've said a few times now that you're not an artist, <laughs> but you obviously have an artistic eye because you're able to see that sign and, and know that, like, hey, this can be better. And so I'm curious to know, what were some of the things that you learned early on in this? Yeah, I always, um, I guess it is looking at, like, symmetry. Like, I want everything to be nice and even, just like if you were to center something on your computer I try to think of it that way like when I'm doing chalkboards or things like that um, I want it to look nice and even almost as if it came from a computer but has a more artistic level to it a little more human feel yeah. to it yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I keep going back to this idea of intention but it but I guess it's even more than that it's planning you're not just writing pretty letters yeah. you are creating essentially a painting that communicates something. So I guess, how do you plan that? Yeah, so I sketch out a lot of what I do first. So like, even when I'm addressing cards, a lot of times, especially like when I'm just warming up, I'll write it out in pencil, and then write the ink over it, and then erase the pencil. So there is a little bit of like planning for it. And then as you like get more and more comfortable, you get you, your brain just starts figuring out like, okay, this is where I need to start and with anything, there are going to be mistakes. So 
like when I'm doing place cards from a wedding for a wedding, I'm always like, I'm going to need like five to 10% more than what the actual count is. Cause I'm going to have to burn a few. I know a few are just not going to turn out right. Are you concerned at all with the amount of templates that are coming out and, you know, and digital kind of standardizing things? Are you, does that concern you at all? Like that it's all going to kind of just look the same after a while? Yeah, it is a little concerning. So like within the wedding realm of things, there are just so many templates out there. You can make it really easy, just plug and play and you're good to go. I think where calligraphy can make things a little bit more special, like especially in this digital age, when you're having a wedding, sometimes it's nice for your guests to have something that has their name on it written out, not by a computer. It's really kind of special now because we don't see it very often. One thing I've, I've heard from other artists also is the, the idea that uh, what makes their works original is sometimes the imperfections. Mm-hmm. The you know, I know we've talked a little bit about symmetry and like making sure that it, it's lined up and everything's you know follows these rules. But I would imagine there's also a little bit of like mm-hmm. imperfection. Each card is probably going to be slightly different, right? I mean, can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I definitely think there's beauty in their imperfection. I guess you could say it's a process. It's not a quick process. It's not typing it into the computer and printing it out. You know, it's a nice way to tell your guests that I've thought about this or if you're sending a card that you hand addressed you know nobody sends cards anymore but it's nice to get something in the mail that's like oh this isn't a a bill it's something pretty and look at the time my friend put into this yeah I'd be curious about that I'm just I'm just curious your thoughts on sort of keeping a tradition like this alive in a digital world like what does that mean to you um yeah I've always I've always appreciated history, so I've always liked those historical things. And I think when we're so surrounded by digital things, it's nice to kind of bring something back from yesteryear that, you know, our grandparents did or our great-grandparents did. I'd be super sad if it got completely lost, and I don't think it will. I think there's always going to be a faction of people that appreciate it and that want to keep it going. What have, what have you learned, you know, throughout your journey through this uh, through this practice, whether it's, you know, have you learned anything about yourself, about, you know, just art, like, what, I guess, what are some of the lessons you've taken through this? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess it's taught me to kind of slow down, like, I can't rush through it. It has to be like, I gotta take a deep breath and I gotta slow it down, because rushing through it's just not going to produce a, anything good. So it's taught me to slow down a little bit. I, I like that, though, because it's like, it's a practice designed to slow you down yeah. right and then i do want to ask about the business walk me through that decision to to launch a business around this when did you decide to do that what, what was the spark there i had a friend um or a client actually back then that asked me to address her wedding invitations and you know back then i had no clue really what i was doing but i was like yeah sure i'll do that for you and in the process i was like huh there's got to be you know i just learned things along the way And then eventually I was like, that could be cool to do for other people and offer it as a service. So it just kind of grew from there. Is this your full-time gig then? or? It's kind of. So I'm um, actually pretty much done with um, what was my full-time job. And um, we're traveling for the winter. And then I'll be coming back for the summer and 
trying to take this more full time, teaching more classes, hopefully. So, what can people learn in, in a class, a calligraphy class, and then what are some of the classes that you may have coming up? Yeah, so I have classes coming up at the Lodge in Galena and at Happy Tears Bakery in Incline Village, and then at Atelier in Reno. And so in class, um, I always tell everybody, you're going to get ink to flow. I've never had anybody like not have ink flowing. I've never had anybody walk out of class in frustration. So it's just pretty relaxed. Like it, like I said, a lot of people find that they're concentrating so hard on, you know, the downstrokes and the upstrokes that they don't have time to think about, you know, what's still left in the office and so on. So um, it's a lot of fun. And then they get to take home all of the um, nibs and ink and all that stuff to continue practicing. And then just real quick, just uh, I'd like to ask these two questions. What does art mean to you? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I think art's probably supposed to make you feel something, right? Like art is in the eye of the beholder, I guess, so they say. So thinking of like calligraphy or hand lettering as an art, you know, I think you can create an emotion with it, um, especially with hand lettering. But for like modern calligraphy or more traditional calligraphy, I think, you know, people get these things in the mail and it hopefully gives them a little joy. And then lastly, what does creativity mean to you? Oh, um, I think creativity is just like letting your brain kind of go in whatever direction and seeing seeing how that plays out. Like, it doesn't always have to make sense, but maybe you start with step one and see where it goes. That was my conversation with modern calligrapher Lauren Ida. She's teaching a few classes in Reno and Tahoe in time for the holidays, so if you're looking for a last-minute gift, you can learn more about those classes and her business at her website, thickandthinlines.com. We also have photos and more at our website, doublescoop.art. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Double Scoop podcast. This episode was produced in conjunction with Divergent Point Media. More info at divergentpointmedia.com. Our theme music comes from Reno singer-songwriter Greg Gilmore from his song, Who Am I? You can find more episodes of the Double Scoop podcast on our website, doublescoop.art, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I'm Noah Glick, and thank you so much for listening.